nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a live edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. It is almost 5 p.m. Madrid time, almost 12 or actually almost 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we are taking questions live on YouTube. And we got a bunch of people already here. Questions are rolling in. Welcome everyone to the show. This is Keon Sobani in case you haven't guessed. And uh, I'm going to go through these comments. I don't really have much of a plan. I'll just quickly tell you my how my morning went. I'm on the Western Hemisphere right now. Obviously, I'm home for the World Cup. Um, basically here in Canada up until January when I head back to Madrid. So the game here was at 5 a.m. Eastern Time, Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. And I woke up, I think, would have been like 75th, 80th minute, something like that. I was like, might as well just throw on the Google score. Just check check Google to see you know how many hat tricks Messi has, how many assists Di Maria has, all that stuff. Congratulate some of the people, some of the friends I have who have Messi on their fantasy team. And... Uh, yeah, so I turned it on, and I saw the score, and my mind was blown. I thought maybe I was dreaming. I thought, I don't know what was going on, but uh, yeah, I imagined that there were a lot of people on the Western Hemisphere who just woke up and saw that score and thought they were still dreaming, and then they went back to sleep. So that was my morning, and then I just did a bunch of work, worked on my book a little bit, had the Tunisia game on in the background, do not really have an opinion on that. I didn't watch it that closely. I was mostly working. I flipped it, flipped to the screen every time I heard the commentator, you know, maybe getting a little excited about something. Seemed like Tunisia played with a lot of intensity. That was cool. So congrats on them. Yeah, we're going to answer some questions. We got a few people on the live right now, and we're a couple minutes in, and we'll get into this. And I don't really have a timeline on how long we'll go here. Depends on how the stream goes. Will people drop off when the game starts in five minutes? Maybe. Uh, but the thing is with the YouTube streams, it seems like, if anything, it just gets more and more people as it goes on. So usually by the end of it, there's like 100 people sitting live, and at the beginning, there's like 20. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I do know for sure it will end before the France game because I will be covering that along with Jose Perez. Jose is doing the written part of it, and then he's going to come on the podcast and him and I on patreon.com slash we are going to be analyzing the performance of Aurelien Chouameni at the very least. And if Kamavinga plays, then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll also analyze his performance too. We know for sure Chouameni is just a starter with France, and Kamavinga wasn't at 100% because I know he had some troubles in training yesterday, so we'll see how it goes and whether he gets in or not. All right, let's get to some questions. Um, apologies also in advance because these YouTube comments, they constantly refresh they bounce all over the place so if i miss your question um your question either was terrible or i just missed it and i apologize feel free to resubmit and if i i see that you're posing a bad question i'll just literally tell you so um perry wolf says 
uh, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it, but he says, Hi, Keon, why do you think TT is so hesitant to trust Vinicius? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, when the reports initially came out, before the World Cup even started, that TT was reportedly going to bring Vinicius off the bench for Brazil, my mind was completely going for a spin because it's hard for me to fathom benching a player like Vinicius, who's obviously a superstar, and um, and I'm just biased, obviously, a little bit because I'm really excited to see Vinicius play with Brazil. I have him. I had him as a fringe contender for top scorer in this tournament because partly because I really believe Brazil is the best team in this tournament if they show up and they play to their best capacity. I think they can actually win this tournament. And if they get to the final or, or win the tournament, then Vinicius is going to be obviously involved in it. I changed my prediction after I heard this report and said that, well, if Brazil is going to make it far, then I imagine Neymar is going to be the, the guy who's going to be um, the goal scorer if Vinicius is going to come off the bench. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, in qualifying and in so many of Brazil's games leading up to the World Cup, we've seen Vinicius and Neymar coexist. And I'm... You know, whatever TT has in his mind for this World Cup, we don't really know because we haven't seen it yet. He hasn't spoken too much publicly yet about it. And we're just going to wait and see. Whether he starts or comes in off the bench, um, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe TT wants some balance. Maybe he doesn't want Neymar and Vinicius on the field at the same time for defensive purposes. And we'll see. In, in that case, maybe it's not the worst thing if Vinny's coming on in the second half against a tired defense and he just cooks them. So we'll see how it goes. I, I don't really want to have too much of an opinion about this yet until I see it play out. Um, oh, at the very beginning of the broadcast, Marcos is saying you got double audio. Is that, it seems like it's okay now because no one's complaining about it since. Maybe just give me a thumbs up in the chat. Um, <clears throat> let's see. All right, someone else is saying it's fixed. All right. Um, and Amitra Saha says, what do you think about Lautaro Martinez as a possible striking option in the future? Uh, I think he's an awesome player. I really like his game. With regards to Real Madrid, would he accept a role if he comes in winter? And he's not going to come in the winter time anyway. But if this is a future signing, is he the guy that can lead you as your best striker, I have doubts about that for a team like Real Madrid as a as a as a squad option. I like it so long as he would accept a role like that. But I I don't see us signing Lautaro. Um, Santos Tripathi says, first of all, love your content. Thank you, thank you, Santos. He says, quick question: Can we trust on Benzema for the remaining of the season? We need a new striker. Whether we can trust him on a footballing level if he's on the field, my answer to this is yes. Whether we can trust his health, I don't know the answer to that. It's a little bit worrying that he's obviously one year older and he's having injuries now and his body will react differently to, you know, if he had injuries when he was younger. So that's an unknown to me. I just I just wish him the best. I was as gutted as anybody. And I don't know if we've recorded a podcast about it since, but I'm, I was as gutted as anybody when I heard that Benzema was going to miss out on this tournament. Um on one hand, possibly thankful that maybe he has to force rest and recovery and, and focus on Real Madrid season. On the other hand, the guy has been deprived of international football for like the majority of his career. He had obviously been called back and was awesome in the UEFA Nations League for them. 
And now he has this last chance at the World Cup for the last time in his career because I don't think he's going to be playing in the next one. It's gutting. It's a sad story. So I just hope he can come back stronger and uh, lead Real Madrid to an awesome season. Carlo Ancelotti, welcome to the chat. I'm a big fan of your your football philosophies, and uh, I was an admirer of you as a player. I had the uh the painstaking task of going and re-watching Quinta del Buitre versus the late 80s Milan and you guys waxed us and I was really impressed with your performances so I'm happy that you're managing Real Madrid right now how can I get into sports journalism be a writer want some tips from you well I would say I think just continue to do what's working and continue to be a manager but if you want to get into sports journalism I would say uh on one hand it's tougher than ever to crack in the industry at the same time, it's easier than ever to be a content creator. So I would, my tip to you would be focus less on, you know, getting a job with The Athletic or The Guardian or whatnot. Focus more on building a personal brand, getting on YouTube, being active um, on time-sensitive topics, being active in writing articles if you have nowhere to start, writing fan posts for Managing Madrid, writing articles on Reddit as original content, writing articles in Facebook groups and posts, build a following slowly and surely. And uh, from there, if you build a following, just put out a ton of ton of value, 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 value. Stand out, do things that no one else is doing. Stay away from generic uh, associated press articles that you can get anywhere and provide analysis and value that people aren't getting anywhere. You have access to democratized analytics that wasn't the case a few years ago. You have access to all this valuable film and, and data that you can use at your disposal. And you have access to every single platform you can imagine to build a brand and put out videos and podcasts. So just, just just do that. Just start. Just start and be active and build a following and build a personal brand. Um, Abdul Hafez says, which one is more shocking, Brazil versus Germany or this one? I imagine you're talking about Argentina, Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'm going to say Brazil losing 7-1 versus Germany is more shocking. To be quite honest, although this morning's result was quite shocking, it's the opening game of a tournament. Saudi Arabia's coach said after the game something that was pretty interesting where he said, like, look, sometimes you just catch a great team on a day where maybe they're not motivated. It's the first game they're playing a team like Saudi Arabia. Maybe your motivation is like, ah, man, well, we're Copa America champions. We've won like 36 games in a row, whatever it is leading up to the tournament. We're not going to lose to these guys. So maybe they just... And then their brain will completely flip and they'll destroy Mexico. So, yeah, of course, this was shocking. Don't get me wrong. But Brazil in their in their hometown, just getting rocked and decimated and carved and cut apart by Germany was more shocking to me. Even though Germany was a great team, 7-1 is insane. Um, Thomas Tomcat says, which team do you support for the World Cups? Also, how did you like Renard's tactics? Um which team do I support for the World Cups in general? There's, it's just pluralized, so I, I don't know. But um, if you're if you're speaking about this one in particular, but generally I, I have been a supporter of Spain. As I've get gotten older, I've um, kind of detached myself from supporting a team like and getting emotional about it i just kind of watch the world cup with interest and on a general level and and kind of just enjoy the football and 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 stuff like that and just have fun with it um but obviously this 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 tournament i'm going to be rooting for canada 
tough-ass group. I don't expect Canada to get out of the group stages, but I'm still going to support them. Normally, I'd support Iran. Obviously, the circumstances right now are very different. Iranians are not thinking about football right now. And um, uh, so in this particular World Cup, I'm not, you know, I'm not going crazy supporting Iran, obviously. And, yeah, so, so that's that. I'm just a fan of the football, and I'll watch it. Renard's tactics, I, again, as I said in the beginning of the prod, but, uh, podcast, I did not watch that game. I woke up in the 75th minute, had it on the background. I was, I was getting my kids ready for school, driving them to school, and uh, then I watched the highlights after. From what I understand, defensively, Saudi Arabia were great, so kudos to them. <clears throat> Um, Daniel Romsic says, do you have a fantasy team? No, I, I, I generally do for these big international terms. I don't this year. I'm, I'm focusing on an NBA fantasy league this year. It's uh, taking up enough of my time. Um, Cookie says, do you have a least favorite Real Madrid legend? Not really. Tanver Islam says, hey, Keon, quick question. Do you think Real Madrid will still go for Bellingham if his price nears $150 million like he has been reported? Resubmitting it just in case. Um, yeah, but I, I think they'll still try. Regardless of the price, they will try to get him at a at a price that fits in their budget. And any with his price shooting up from this World Cup, you have to also realize that while his price shoots up, Real Madrid's interest will probably shoot up too as they see how impressed they are with him. So we'll see. I think they'll try regardless. Uh, let's see some repetitive questions here. Mokrel Akala says, what do you think about signing N'Gola Kante in January? His contract ends in 2023, and Chulmeni will need a backup. I don't hate the idea. Um, Kante is not the player he used to be. He's also going through injuries now later in his career. Um, if he if he's someone who's... I mean, I would not have no issue with him as a, as a person as well because I think he would be a good locker room guy, someone who would contribute to Real Madrid's culture and team unity. If he would accept a role where he would not play feature as much and would be Chuomeni's backup in emergency situations, I don't hate it. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All right. Some more Vinny questions. I, I answered it. People confirming the audio is okay. That's a relief because we're 15 minutes in now. Um Enmo95 says, hello from Mali. Your thoughts on Mahamadou Diara? He won back-to-back leagues as a team regular in a transition era. He was a part of one of the best, um, or sorry, not the best, one of the most fun seasons in, in recent Real Madrid history, which was obviously the 2006-2007 season under Capallo. Historic comebacks. It was his header on the last match day against Mallorca, which ultimately was the game winner. Um, to win the league title that season and cap an incredible season that I'll never forget. I think he was necessary for that time. I don't, uh, you know, he's obviously not the most flashy defensive midfielder. He, you know, we had a, a brief period in Real Madrid history where we did not have many creative midfielders and we had a double pivot of Mahamudu Diara and Emerson, which was basically about as brutish as you can get in midfield just throwing people around uh, in a very tactically disciplined capello side he was necessary for the time not a traditional anchor i don't think he would fit great in modern, modern football but um 
have a lot of respect for him. He was he was important for his time in, in Real Madrid history. Thanks for tuning in from Mali. Uh, all right, so we got a question from Sagar Balal. says, Arribas has been excellent. Why doesn't Carlo call him to the first squad? I would love to see him in the first team. Great way to get my attention. Just basically write the word Arribas, and my focus just goes to that question. I will see it. Right up my alley, I love Arribas more than anyone. I've been a huge flag bearer of him to get minutes with the first team. I rate him so highly that I would not be that devastated, you know, if, you know, or, or sorry, I'll backtrack. I'll reward it. This summer when we were discussing the fact that we didn't sign a backup right winger or a right winger, um, I had convinced myself that, like, you know, I would have signed Nabri personally. I would have, I would have thrown the money at him. I think he's awesome. I think he's worth justifying signing. But like some of these other names that came along, like Rafinha or um, I can't even remember now, but Anthony, I think, was one of them. I was like, you know what? That's a lot of money for these guys. I'd rather just promote Aribas. I think he's that good. Obviously, this question probably comes in on the back of his incredible goal. He scored a brace, and one of the goals was amazing. Actually, both of them were really nice goals. Really composed finish on the first one, too. I'm a huge Arribas believer. Raul spoke highly about him um, after that game in the post-game press conference. Yeah, my my analysis is, yeah, he's good enough to be with the first team. He is 100% bajillion percent for sure too good for Castilla. And he's um, he's a player that I believe can contribute to the first team. Not as a starter every game, obviously, in a Champions League final, but I'm saying like someone who can actually break lines, work hard, play good defense at Carlo Ancelotti values. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, Arribas is, it should be there. Sorry, I forgot to take notes on the sh- So, like, I can put these in the show notes. So, I have to remember what I talked about. But I'm going to every now and then remember and just go to my notepad. Um, all right. K.A. says, hey, Keon, a scouting report, please. It's early days, but any prospect catching your eye from the opening games of the World Cup? No, not yet. These World Cup games, I mean, it's hard to take anything from the, the sample size right now. And and I think some of these players, even if they do play well, it doesn't really mean anything for, for Real Madrid in particular. Um, let's see. Wesley Uma says, hey, Kian, love the podcast. Do you think people are overlooking Germany as a contender in this World Cup? Most players are from Bayern and Hansi Flick has coached them. Should give an edge in team chemistry. Um, Generally speaking, uh, I think you're probably right. I mean, overlooking Germany in any World Cup is kind of like overlooking Real Madrid in the Champions League, even though they're not favorites, right? I haven't keeping I haven't kept too close of an eye on them in the build up to this World Cup, but I am going to be watching them with intrigue during the World Cup, partly because I have been assigned covering Rudiger uh, for managing Madrid on the website, so I'll be watching Germany pretty closely. I will also say I I would definitely trust them under Hansi Flick more than I did under under Joachim Lowe. So. Yeah, I think it's a valid, valid question. And, uh, and the fact that they might be overlooked is is, is very possible. Um, 
Azaz Hussein says, Hello, Kian. What's your take on so much extra time being given during World Cup matches? 8 to 10 minutes every match. I think it's good. I mean, wasn't it uh, Was it Iran that had like 14 minutes in the first half? And then there was like... Yeah, I just kind of expect that there's just so many minutes of injury time. I don't like. I don't love the idea of the way the concept of injury time is constructed in football, to be quite honest with you. I would love for football to just entertain the idea or at least try it in a trial. You don't have to, if it doesn't work, then go back to this method. Stop clocks or stop, yeah, stopping the clock. And the counter argument to that is like, okay, well, if you stop the clock, the games will basically take forever. Because if you actually, there's been studies about this, if you actually look at all the injury time that's added to these games, it's never accurate. You could like, the, the fact that there's like, well, it was 14 minutes for Iran, there's like studies that show that the accurate amount of injury time to be added is actually like anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes if you really, really add it up in some of these games. You're never going to do that. My solution would be at least to, for, for us to try it is stop the clock, but the game is only, each half is only 30 minutes. So you stop the clock each time, Halftime is 30 minutes, final whistle is 60 minutes. You're probably getting, I'd, I'd be curious to know how that would work out. I, I'm a fan of accurate accuracy, as much accuracy as we possibly can. Because just going by this feel of like how much injury time there should be, there shouldn't be. Injury time is never accurate. During injury time itself, there's a bunch of stoppages. I'd like us to just at least experiment with a, with a trial of stop the clock every time it goes out of play, but 30 minutes and 60 minutes is, is each half. Um... All right. Mokrel Akala says, could you see Alfonso Davies as Mendy's long-term replacement? I would love to, but I, I don't know how, how feasible it is or how realistic it is, and, and we've never been linked with him. Uh, Daniel Romsix says, do you see somebody in the world football who can replace Tony Cruz long-term? It's hard for me to see someone do what Cruz did. Cruz is extremely unique in his style of play. You know, I th he's a unicorn. And when I think of the word unicorn, I think of someone extremely unique in football history whose game and stylistic play is very hard to replicate. So, for example, Alfredo Di Stefano is a unicorn because he played like all 11 positions, basically 10 positions. He never played goalkeeper, but he did everything on the field. Um, Tony Cruz is a unicorn because he is the greatest. It's between him and Xavi as the greatest passer in football history. Again, statistically speaking, Cruz is even better than Xavi in terms of passes into the final third in the Champions League history. No one even comes close. He's incredibly press resistant. He is a specialist and incredibly good at a few different things. So for that reason, I don't see him being replicated. I see a lot of lot of great players, obviously, who will come in his position, but with probably not the same style of play. And, and, and again, this if you want to relate this to Real Madrid again, as I've said many times, you're going to replace Cruz. At best, you, you're still a great team, but in, with a different style of play. But you're not going to replicate exactly what Cruz brought. Oscar says most of our backline is not playing in this World Cup. Should that give us any hopes that we don't, uh, that we won't dip too far in form? Possibly. 
We have Benzema staying home now too. Hopefully he can just recover and, and rest and, and come back really strong. Cruz is staying home. Yeah, I think it I think it's a valid um I'm I'm more worried about Carvajal and Modric, those two. Those two are, are players that I worry about. Uh and, and obviously we'll see what happens with the South American guys like Fede, Rodrigo and Vinicius and, and how they respond and come back from the World Cup. Tatenda Gadzikwa says, how do you feel about Real Madrid eventually signing Rafael Leao? Dynamic winger who can play both sides of the right wing and left wing if he turns up in this World Cup. Is he a bad addition to this Real Madrid squad? I'm a huge fan of Rafael Leao. My hesitation would be with him is that his best position is left wing. And obviously that spot is taken. So that would be my concern with him is how well he could actually play on the right wing because we haven't seen it much. Ayush Anand says, looks like Benzema was not faking his injury after all. Shocking. One of the best servants in Real Madrid history who has done, has made a ton of sacrifices was the fact that that was even doubted. It was, was shocking to me. You know, obviously he's not faking anything. This is, he deserves that respect and that trust. Um... All right, comments are just bouncing all over the place, so I apologize. It's possible I've missed your question already, but um, another question from Tatenda. Hey, Kion, how do you feel about Croatia in this World Cup and cement Modric's legacy as the greatest midfielder of all time, along Zidane, if he goes deep in the World Cup? I mean, look, if he pulls it out this year, it would be an unbelievable cement on his legacy. It's really tough for me to see that. He's one year older. He's got to dig extra deep. Uh, I don't know if, you know, Croatia's a little bit older too. You know, some of their, their key players are a little bit older. I don't know how much they can they can get out of the tank this tournament, but if they do, yeah, I mean, it would be... His legacy to me is already cemented regardless of what happens in this tournament but if he does I mean it's an extra it's an extra bolt in the legacy debate Perry Wolfs again says uh, do you think Rodrigo will make it at Real Madrid as a starter we will probably go for a more pure striker on the right wing Rodrigo has never been a standout for me I don't know if he's a if you were going to look back on his career as like a starter lockdown for his entire career but I but I would imagine we look back on him as just a really important player who starts a lot of games and comes off the bench in a lot of games and is important throughout. The idea of like whether he's a starter or not is is in a way irrelevant to me because I just see him as an important player who starts a lot but also comes off the bench a lot. Would his starting role get questioned if Real Madrid sign a, a star right winger or star striker? Yeah, obviously. But I still would see him as a valuable contributor. So I... I, I he doesn't need to be like Gareth Bale or Luis Figo. He can be just an important player who starts a lot and comes off the bench a lot, and I'd be okay with that. YTGH says, Hi, Keon. If we get Bellingham, what would be your favorite midfield three, not counting Cruz or Modric? In that case, I would go Chuomeni as the anchor, Bellingham on his right just ahead of him. And on the left, 
I'd go Kamavinga, and then Fede Valverde can play. This is assuming Fede is on, on the right wing. If he's not, then you put Fede probably over Kamavinga to start because, you know, Kamavinga is still really raw. Um, but I would go too many in Bellingham basically starting in, in those roles. And Fede slides, slides in wherever needed. Kamavinga slides in wherever needed. Ron says, hey, Keon, should we get Cristiano Ronaldo on a six-month deal in the January transfer window? Rather than answering the question, I would ask this question to to you. Do you think Cristiano Ronaldo would mess with the team's harmony? Right now, Real Madrid in the past couple of years has had unrivaled unity. Part of the reason why they've succeeded in the Champions League. Does having him not as a starter mess with that if it's a champions league final semi-final quarterfinal round of 16 it's a classical benzema starting how much of that is a distraction how many papers are being printed the day before should ronaldo start classical how many interviews is he going to give behind the scenes it matters these, these all these things matter and above all what matters more than what we think is does Florentino think the ship has sailed on Ronaldo? And my answer to that is yes, which kind of makes the discussion irrelevant anyway. <clears throat> Oscar says, would you rather see Vinicius or Valverde win the World Cup? I know that's like asking who's your favorite kid, but do it. I You answered the question. That's to me is like asking who you, which one of your children would you'd rather see win the World Cup. In a lot of ways, I think Fede's, if Fede won the World Cup, it would be more impressive because Uruguay's, uh, Uruguay's overall talent level, with all due respect, which is still great, by the way, if you look at their names on paper, uh, is is it would be more of a shock than Brazil winning it. So Fede's would be slightly more impressive, but you know, if Vinicius can lead this team to the World Cup, I think the other thing is Vinicius has a lot of time on his side too. He's a little bit younger, but uh, I'd be thrilled with either of them. Perry says, Rudiger talking about Musiala, who has looked absolutely brilliant this season. Do you like him? I love him. I love what I see from Musiala. I think he's an awesome player. Linking him to Real Madrid, he's a luxury player at this point. If you look at his best position, um, he's not someone who is an urgent signing. But you monitor this for a few years. Maybe Rudiger planted a seed with Real Madrid and Musiala. In a few years, we could have a different discussion. Uh, but I, I really like him. I, I think he's awesome. Let's see. I'm going to take maybe two to three more, and then I'm going to wrap it up. I have no idea what's going on in the World Cup game. Why don't, like, while you guys submit some more questions, I'm going to look up what's happening there. And also use this opportunity to Mexico zero, Poland zero. I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm imagining we're not missing much. If you guys are watching this in the background, you can comment in the chat. Is there some crazy red cards? There's some offside goals, controversies, brawls, fights, something happening? Let me know. Um, I'll just hit you guys with a couple of important things. If you're listening to this and watching this and you're in Canada, we are coming and doing a World Cup live podcast in Toronto the day of the World Cup final a few hours before after. So at 4 p.m. at the Firkin Flat Iron Pub, you... Come and hang with us. 
We're giving away signed things from Modric, Figo, and a ton more. We're giving away official La Liga swag. There will be people from La Liga there. There will be tons of Maridistas there. So if you're in Toronto, first of all, and you don't know who to connect with, you're a Maridista, you want to meet some Maridista people, you're going to meet a ton of amazing people to just be friends with. If you're in Ontario, if you're in Canada, you don't know what to do, kind of like, oh man, should I make, should I buy the $150 flight to Toronto for this podcast? The answer is yes. We're coming to Toronto. Take advantage. Come see us. We want to meet you. We want to see the people we saw last time in Toronto as well. We're looking forward to seeing you guys again. The link to that, I'm going to put it in this chat, but it'll also be in the show notes, the link to the event. I'm, I'm posting it right now, but if you're listening to this not live, you can go and click on the show notes and click on that. If you're a patron, you get a 50% discount to the show. And it's a no-brainer. So if you've been on the fence about becoming a patron and you don't really know when you're coming to this podcast, the patron membership is $3. The podcast tickets right now, early bird, are 15 bucks. You get a 50% discount right away. It pays for itself. And if you're, um, if you're planning on coming, Buy your tickets before December 1st because the tickets prices go up December 1st. So do that. Um, and someone's asking if we're planning on coming to Atlanta anytime soon. Honestly, no, probably not. We did the world tour and I got really tired. It's exhausting. So basically now I'm just focusing on, on following Real Madrid wherever they go. And uh, we're just going to focus on that. So unless Real Madrid come to Atlanta for a preseason tour, that's probably the only time we'll, 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 come, we'll come by. Um All right, we'll take one more because there's a lot of transfer questions and I'm exhausted about transfers. Um, you know, it's not my favorite topic, so. All right, one more, two more. Don't you think the Rodrigo number 10 supporting striker has messed with our 4-3-3 formation? Um, I, I mean, the reality is that Carlo really values a striker like Rodrigo, who's not a pure striker who can do more than just be a pure nine. Like he would have preferred Rodrigo instead of Jovic, for example, if Jovic was still in the squad. Has it messed with our formation? I mean, the difference is that the the the, the biggest difference when Benzema's not in the field, you miss his link-up stuff, you miss his organization of the press and all that stuff, his defensive work rate, his dropping into midfield, his link up on both sides. What you really miss is that he's also a target in the box. So many of these games with Rodrigo um, as the false nine, while he's actually pretty good in the box, and we saw that against Manchester City, obviously, and he's a great off-ball runner and off-ball cutter, but you miss the target of Benzema. And so I think that's probably what's messed with us more. It hasn't been Rodrigo, like, because Rodrigo can do a lot of link-up stuff and the defensive work rate and linking up on both sides. He can move off the ball really well. But it's the target I think you miss and the organization of the press is, is another one you really miss. I don't think it's a formation thing. I, I just think we really miss Benzema as well. His leadership, his brains, all that stuff. Um, and the last one is, who's your favorite coach? Of course, after Carlo Ancelotti, and it's got to be Zizou. I mean, guy has given us the best memories of our life. So, I mean, how can it not be Zizou, right? So, um, I'm going to wrap it here. 
Today, over on patreon.com slash managing, Jose Perez are going to upload a podcast to analyze Chu Many's performance uh, with France and France's opening game. Possibly Kamavinga too if he gets into it. And then tomorrow, for free, Ewan and Sam Leverage and I, we're going to talk about Hazard, Courtois, and who else is playing tomorrow? Asensio Carvajal. So those four. And basically, it's it's amazing to think about, but Real Madrid have not had a player featured in the World Cup yet. Today, in the France game, is the first time. So basically, from here on in, it's going to be all hands on deck from the managing crew. We're going to be just focusing on Real just players. And uh, yeah, stick, keep it locked on managingmadrid.com. Keep it locked on our podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast app. Join patreon.com slash managingmadrid. See you guys in Toronto in December. And also, you can follow me on Instagram at Kianso. You can follow me on Twitter at Kianso Managing Madrid. Follow us everywhere on Managing Madrid's Instagram page. We also do a lot of content. We post news. We do Q&As on the Instagram stories. So follow us there. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy the Mexico-Poland game. And enjoy the France game. And we'll see you after 